You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Tuesday, January 23rd. This is The Christian Commute. I'm your host, Seth Dunn, and I found my headset. So if the audio quality sounds better, that's why. It was on the floor of the back seat of my truck. And I think we all know who's to blame for that. My children knocked it down. And I'm not in the truck today because I'm back in my Kia Soul. So I don't I don't really know if it'll make a difference in the sound quality because this thing's old too. It was awfully loud this morning. It's been windy where I live. Really windy and really cold, but it finally warmed back up. And you are riding with me to the basketball gym. If I ever say you're riding with me to the gym, and I mean the gym where people lift weights and run on treadmills and Stairmasters, you will have known, or you will know, that it is not me and somebody is impersonating me and taking over the show. You'll know that before they start saying weird stuff about the Bible that doesn't sound right. Okay, you'll know. Because I do not like to non-competitively sweat. I will run through a brick wall if I can win at something. Score a point, beat somebody. But if just to lift a weight and strain myself for the sake of doing, I don't know. I don't do that. It's, it's got to be some kind of competition. So I'm going to the basketball gym to coach what might be our last, it is our last practice of the regular season. In case anybody is wondering, we're 6-3. and three. And uh, that'll be that. When I get there, I'm hoping I make it in time. But until I get there, it's time to do a Christian commute. Let me turn the heat up a little bit. It's a little chilly in the Kia Soul. I have a full show for you today. And I gotta tell you this. There were questions in the inbox that I didn't notice. Jeff from Florida had called him in. And it's just him and maybe one other guy, Daryl from Ohio, who I haven't heard from in a long time, who actually call in to the call-in line. But if you call in two questions in a row, back-to-back, It'll put them on the same email. So Jeff had called all these questions in, and I didn't see them down at the bottom of the email thread. They were there all along. But he has resubmitted the questions. So thank you, Jeff, for those questions. And Jeff has forced me to make a new rule. Okay, we all know the rules about the questions. One question per email or phone call. Tell me where you're from. And keep it short enough for me to memorize. Those are the rules. Here's a new one. If you're calling the Christian Commute Roadside Assistance Line at 470-315-0875, don't call before 8 o'clock. Because I'm not one of these preacher types who wakes up at 5 a.m. to have his quiet time and then goes to CrossFit. That ain't me. Jeff called, and I had the snooze button hit on my phone. I told the phone to wake me up at 6.30. I woke up, said, nope, not having it. Snooze. 
And then Jeff called twice to give me two questions. So don't call the roadside assistance line before 8, 8 p.m. It's closed. I'm, I will, I'm most likely trying to sleep. Because listen, I, I get paid by the year and I work from home two days a week. My work gets done. But it doesn't necessarily get done between 7 and 4. Okay, there's different hours that I keep. Would probably have a better, more organized life altogether if I woke up early. And I found that to be the case when I do force myself to work up early, work up early. But if it's 20 degrees outside, I'm not getting out of bed before, before 7. I'm just not going to do it. Thank God for my wife who does. Somebody's got to take those kids to school. But that's what's going on. Uh, today's show title is called Spearing the Whale. I feel like I've done this before years ago, but maybe not. So, Spearing the Whale. And frankly, I had conceived of a better show topic than this over the weekend, but I forgot it. The question in the inbox is about the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. And as always, we have the Bible chapter review. We are in Matthew chapter 27, verses 19 through 23. And do you know, I just realized this, we've been in Matthew for over two years because I was listening to an old episode the other day. I've been re-listening to the Rockbridge Sermon Reviews, and I was in Matthew then, and I was 39 years old. I forget what, we might have been in Matthew chapter 6, but we're almost through with Matthew. Matthew 27, verses 19 through 23. The crowd wants Barabbas. They will not answer Pilate what evil Jesus has done. They just want him dead. They're mad at him. The chief priests have told, have turned the the crowd against Jesus. So, verse 19. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, is it scourged or scourged? I'm going to say scourged. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. So that's verse 23. Pilate knew that the leaders of the Jews were envious of Jesus, that they were trying to set him up. The people were calling for Jesus' head. Pilate was saying... What's he done? What evil has he done? Jesus wouldn't defend himself before the people. And the people really couldn't say anything, but they were just calling for Jesus' head. So, well, not literally his head. They wanted him to, that, that's, they wanted him to be crucified, not beheaded. Anyway, I'm speaking figuratively. And Pilate finally said, His blood's on your hands, not mine. Pilate wanted to prevent a riot. It is Passover week. He is, in the minds of the Jews, a hostile foreign power. 
it's not going to look good on him managing or governing Judea to his boss Caesar if there's a riot. And by the way, there's already there's been riots. We know from extra biblical history that there there were riots. Pilate doesn't want another riot on his hands. There's he doesn't want violence between the the natives, if you will, and the Roman soldiers. And what's the price? Some Jewish rabbi, some Jewish leader, some popular Jewish guy. What does that matter to him? So he's going to give the people what they want to prevent a riot. But this is very symbolic on his part. In front of them, he washes his hands. I'll wash my hands of this man's blood. He says, see to that yourselves. What he's saying is, this is on you. And what do the Jews say? His blood shall be on us. His innocent blood shall be on us and our children. You know how sometimes people say, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear by my mom. I swear on my kids. That's what they're saying. That's what they're doing. Let it be on our children. On the generations to come. If this man is innocent. Now, I, I mean, I'm not trying to read meaning into the text, but I see two meanings here. There's one meaning that they didn't mean when they said his blood be on us and our children. His blood did atone for all those who would believe. And I think we have to assume that there's some in this crowd, or, or at least think there may have been some in this crowd, who would come to Christ later, maybe on the day of Pentecost under the preaching of Peter, maybe on, or, or, or through the witness of Stephen who was martyred. Jesus' blood was on the Jews who would come to believe in him. Because what does Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, Father, they do not know what they do. And I think, by the way, forgive them, Father, applies to the Romans and the Jews in that case. Because the Romans didn't know what they were doing either. If anything, the Jews knew and the Romans didn't. And what happened to that generation or the next generation? This is 30 A.D. What happened to the next generation? If we measure a generation as 40 years, what happened in 70 A.D.? The destruction of Jerusalem. And remember the parable of the wicked tenants. And... and and Jesus says, what will the landlord do? And the people say, well, he's going to give the land, the lease on that land to people who will pay the rent and respect him. This verse in no way justifies anti-Semitism. That's not right. But we see the negative effects that took place upon the Jews who rejected their Messiah. But we also know on the other side of the cross here that the blood is on in a positive way, in an atoning way. It's not the way they meant it. But they say that and it's like, it's not how you mean it, but that, you don't know what you're doing, but that blood is going to pay for the sins of the world. But the Jews condemn themselves because Pilate says, this is on y'all, not on me. 
He only crucified Jesus to avoid the riot. Here, here's what the Roman governor doesn't want. A riot. And if you're the cause of the riot, right or wrong, too bad. The, the hammer's going to fall on you. Let's move on to the inbox as I'm trapped in traffic behind some kind of what is this truck carrying? Looks like the kind of truck that would, I don't know, carry livestock or farm supplies. Get out of the left lane, please, with your slow truck. Do you have a question about Christian theology or apologetics? You can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com. Or dial 470-315-0875. The Christian commute, your theological roadside assistance. It's a truck carrying a wood chipper. It's a wood chipper truck. So it's got a wood chipper that it's pulling on a trailer or pulling as a trailer, and then the truck has a big space for the wood chippings. All right. Tree service truck from Power Grid Services in Hartsell, Alabama. You can get out of my way. Here's another truck that needs to get out of the way. Interstate trailer. All right. Now I'm free. Free to do the Bible chapter review. Out of the bad traffic. I don't remember how long ago it was, but we covered the parable of the talents on the Christian commute because it's in Matthew. And Jeff from slow driving Florida was riding in to ask a question. He says, in the parable of the talents... He says, there's a sense that someone, and I think Jeff says a Christian, could lose his talent. And is, is there a time where we can know, or someone could know, that his talent has been taken from him? So let's quickly review the parable. There is a master who goes away. He has three slaves. He leaves one ten talents. Talent is a, a unit of currency. He leaves one five talents. He leaves another one. The guy with ten invests the talents in the marketplace, doubles his money. The guy with five invests his talents in the micro, uh, the uh, micro uh, marketplace. Sorry, and he gets more money. The guy with one talent goes and buries the talent. And when his master gets back, the guy with one talent says, "See, here is your money." And this causes the landowner, the, I'm the master of the house, to get really mad. He says, you didn't even put it in the bank where it would have drawn interest. You buried it. Cast this guy outside and give his talent to the one who increased his money. Give it to the guy who had 10 and made 10. He'll do something with it. Get rid of this guy. All right, Subaru Forester, getting out of my lane. I was going to pass somebody in the middle lane, but he graciously chose to get over. Or she. Looks like the kind of she that would drive a Subaru, if you know what I'm talking about. All right. And Jeff says, it looks like there's a sense that a Christian could lose his talent and it be given to someone else. And can we tell when this has happened? And keep in mind here, we're not talking about a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has given you or some talent that God gave you 
a literal talent, like a talent as in something you can do, some task you can perform really well. Like in the old, uh, the old Testament, when Jesus, or, or when God gave the ability to certain people to craft the, the tabernacle and its furniture and ornaments. Okay, we're not talking about, we're not talking about some special skill that God gave you. Because that's not what talents means, right? It, in, in the context, it's money. But somebody might take that talent and say, well, a talent, maybe it, maybe it applies to some spiritual gift or, or something. Here's the thing. The answer to this question is no. No. Because what happens to the guy with one talent whose talent is taken away and given to somebody else? He's cast out of the house. That guy doesn't represent what we would call a regenerate Christian. He represents what we would call a nominal believer, maybe a goat, somebody who thinks he's part of the kingdom, but really isn't. Because if he was a true believer, he wouldn't have been cast out. He would have been forgiven. He wasn't. He's cast out. He loses his inheritance. In other words, this guy doesn't have any inheritance or part in the kingdom. And we know slaves don't have inheritance. So forgive my terminology. So when you ask, is there a point that we can know if we lose our talent? Jeff, I'm going to say no because that guy doesn't represent a persevering Christian. And there is this idea that I've heard out there. Somebody asked my Sunday school teacher once, my Sunday school teacher, Matthew Gamble, the politician, who used to be a Methodist, and I don't think he had any idea what the answer was because uh, it wasn't in the Lifeway material. Somebody asked the Sunday school teacher, if we don't use our gifts... Will they be taken from us? Whatever our spiritual gifts are. And remember it says in Ephesians that God has preordained good works for, for us to do before the foundation of the world. And I think we should assume that our spiritual gifts help us carry out those good works. Will we lose our gifts if we don't use them? And people go to this parable and say, This guy, he had a gift, he didn't, he didn't use it, and he lost it. This guy wasn't a true believer because if he would have, he would have done the right thing and invested his money with the bankers. So we should not see this guy as a believer who gets his rewards at the end time, at the resurrection. He's judged negatively and cast out. So, so the notion that we'll lose them isn't there. Because the question, remember Jeff's question is, is there a point where we can recognize that we've lost our talent? And I'm saying the parable of the talents doesn't imply that you can lose your talent, whatever that represents, your talent. Your, however much it was, $500, I forget how much it was. When I did the parable, I looked up 
how much money it was worth in modern times. So no, Jeff, I don't. I don't think your your question can't be answered because it's not a valid question. Because I, long story short, the guy who lost his talent can't be counted as a believer. That's how I would answer that. And remember, salvation isn't works-based. So the guy who had 5 and 10, they, they weren't saved because they doubled their money. We know that from a study of systematic theology. All the Bible put together, not just this parable. So thanks for writing in. Jeff's question uh, for tomorrow, not tomorrow, was tomorrow's Wednesday. Jeff's question for Thursday is a little more difficult, I think. It's about Romans 11. That's a teaser. Tune in if you want to hear it again. I don't think we need to do teasers anymore in in the modern media economy. Because you think about it, it used to be that a show was going to be on at a certain time. Like Seinfeld is going to come on at 8 o'clock on... Thursday is that when I think that's when Seinfeld came on. Maybe it was nine. Anyway, and if you don't spend your time, here's this: I know ER came on at ten on Thursdays. I know that for certain. If you weren't watching NBC at ten o'clock when ER came on, you'd miss it. It's not how it is now. You got all your shows on Amazon and Netflix and Disney Plus. You can watch them whenever you want to. Paramount Plus, Peacock. And you can watch all ten of them in a row. And a podcast is like, this is not a radio program. You have to tune into it at a certain time when it comes on the radio waves. You can not listen to this for a year and it'll still be here. So there really are no teasers on this show. You'll listen sometime. But I have a question. One. So somebody needs to send me in a question for Friday so we can make it through the week. I'm just going to sit here and, and believe like the, the, the widow whose oil lasted for seven days. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's go to the show title. Spearing the Whale. Do you guys know what a whale is in terms of sales? A whale is a customer who buys a lot from you. Buys a lot from you. So let's say you're a salesman and you have $10 million in sales per year and you have 10 customers. Okay. It'd be nice if you had 10 customers that all bought $1 million and it was nice and even from you. But I think a lot of people tend to have a whale. You have a customer, he buys $4 million and the rest of the guys combined buy 6 you lose one of those guys, you're okay, and you can go out into the marketplace and get a customer to replace them. You 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 lose your whale, your four million dollar a year guy, you're in big trouble because now you got to go out and get four or five customers to replace this guy, and it's easier to get and manage one and retain one customer than it is four. Because no matter how many how many millions of dollars somebody buys, you still have to have the same one hour lunch and two-hour golf outing with them, right? If you're the salesman. So there are whales. And I'm going to tell you this because it's true. And we should we don't want to call them this because it's church world. We don't want to call people giving units. 
But out of all the churches in town, there's whales. You have the Pareto principle of 80, 80, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And that works with giving, too. I mentioned in one of my Crosspoint sermon reviews, or actually the, the, the preacher mentioned it, that at Crosspoint, 60% of the people give zero dollars. I mean zero, nothing, not a penny. That means the church runs on the money given by 40% of the people. And remember, there's a certain percentage of that 40% that could be given 20 bucks. Somewhere in there is what you might call a core group, especially when you're talking about a church that's not reached maturity, that's a church plant. And I think you could argue that Crosspoint has reached maturity, but at one time it was a plant. There's guys that are giving big money to keep it afloat. When I was at Expedition Church, I'm pretty sure, it it being a newer church plant that only had about 20 giving units, I'm pretty sure that the elders, Joe and Greg, were the whales. Because Joe owned his own business. And somebody else ran it for him. I don't even think he worked it. I think he just got the money. And uh, Greg had a Corvette and a plane. So I'm pretty sure he was making bank. And I, I think those guys were the whales of that church. And, you know, then the rest of us little peons were, you know, we're given something. But church isn't running on us. So there are people at these churches who are giving in a, not only like an immense amount. I'm not just saying 10% or 15% or 5% of their time, talent, and treasure. I'm saying their 10%, 5 or 15%, is way bigger than everybody else's 10%. If you've got a guy who makes a million dollars a year, his 10% is $100,000. If you got a guy who makes $100,000, you think, hey, that guy's doing all right. He's got a six-figure income. Yeah. But this other guy's tithe is worth more than this whole guy's whole year. He's only given 10000 The million-dollar guy, from a funding standpoint, is worth 10 of the $100,000 guys, and the million-dollar guy only takes up one seat. And he only has one family. So think about it. You're the pastor. You've got to deal with everybody's problems, everybody's discipleship. All right, this guy's daughter is pregnant. This guy's son got a DUI. This guy over here is cheating on his wife. All right? Well, how much money do they give? Altogether, not as much as the whale. Now, we know pastors don't go around saying, well, you get more attention because you give more. But those whales exist. And we need to spear them if we want to do real damage to... The Coffee Rock Hip Hop City Church churches in our towns. The churches that are equivalent to the Hillsongs and Elevations where we live. Okay. If you go to their website, you will find the cult of personality pastor leader. You'll find the guy who is the brand. And then you'll find all the salaried pastors, associates, and directors who do production and secretarial work and 
youth pastor work. All those people are just payroll. If they disappear one day, we'll hire somebody else for $40,000. They don't matter. This is sad, but when it comes down to it, all the hired help at your church, all those associates and directors, they really don't matter a hill of beans to the life of the church. I'm going to say that again. They don't matter a hill of beans to the life of the church. It's, these are the people who come you know, come visit you in the hospital sometimes. These are the people who look after you. I have great affection, by the way, for some of the people in these positions where I go to church. But if they left, we'd just replace them with somebody else who'd do just as, you know, just as good of a job. Especially when it comes down to the youth pastor. If you have a really good youth pastor, you know what's going to happen to that guy making $50,000 a year? He's going to make, be making $80,000 a year to go be a youth pastor at a bigger church or $100,000 plus to go be the senior pastor at a bigger church. They don't last. They don't stay in those jobs. And you know this from your office. Everyone at your office is replaceable. No matter how good of a job you do, they will replace you. Nick Saban quit, and here comes the DeBoer guy a week later. Not even. Now, he can't possibly be as good as Nick Saban. That's an extreme example. But if, if you've got somebody making forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year in an organization, they're just a cog. They're just a cog in a wheel. Now, Nick Saban was far from a cog. He, he was the whole car. But... You look. You get on the website of Rockbridge or Crosspoint or or LifePoint, LifeBridge, Rockbridge, Hoppin Point, LifeCityTV.Church.com. You know, Seeker Sensitive Go Church, Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla Coffee Bar Church. All those people are utterly replaceable. They don't matter. The preacher's the brand, but then you're going to find some elders. These are the people who live in town. They may have had a hand in founding the church. They're big funders of the church. They're the guys who are giving a lot of money. Those lay elders. Those are the whales you have to find. And those are the guys you have to reach. If you want to do, again, real damage to the faux churches in your town. Now notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that everybody else doesn't matter. You go to James, and it talks about not showing favoritism in church. Don't give the good seat to the rich guy over the poor guy. We're not supposed to value people in church in a worldly way. Everybody matters. Every soul matters. So you shouldn't just ignore some people. So I'm not going to talk to you about the the problems with Sea Rock City Baptist Church that won't call itself Baptist. I'm not going to talk to you about the problems of the elevation knockoff church in your town because you don't matter enough. I'm only going to talk to the whales. Listen, if you're a salesman, you're not going to pay attention to some little minnow who's going to do $5,000 worth of business. You're going, to, you're going to get the guy who's going to do $5 million worth of business. That's how the world works. You're trying to make a living, not so in church. So don't get the don't get the mission pression. But there is a reality. Those people who show up to that church, 40% of them and don't give a dime, they're there for the rock show. They're probably not saved. 
and you don't want them taking up space at your church, quite frankly. It's a, it's a service that they're there. It's, if you don't want goats roaming around your property and somebody opens up a pen and says, come on, goats, and closes them in there, they just did you a favor because they're not going to eat your grass. You don't got to deal with those goats. And you, a good argument is lost on those people because they're just there to be entertained anyway. They don't have any skin in the game. I'm talking about people with skin in the game. And there's a lot of churches out there that if you want to be a deacon or even a Sunday school teacher, they're going to be like, well, show us how much you give. And if you're not giving 10%, you can't serve in this role. Like, you have to buy your role. Yeah, you need to be qualified, but you got to buy your role. And that's true of a lot of churches, not just uh, coffee bar churches. Okay? And... Think, think of it in terms of like uh, like the partners of an accounting firm. When you become a partner at an accounting firm or a law firm or a consulting firm, you're not just expected to buy shares in the firm. You're expected to go, well, you need to be in the Rotary Club or the Lions Club or you need to go to, we have something in Cartersville called Cartersville Dancing with the Stars. And it's a dancing with the stars, but it's local people, and they raise money, I think, for the homeless shelter. You need to go to the Humane Society and the homeless shelter. You need to make sure you're donating something so you look good before the community. Because when you are a Sunday school teacher or a deacon at a church or an elder, especially at a big church, now you look good before the community. If you're a lawyer, people are going to call you for help because they know you from church. If you're a contractor, they're going to call you to build their shed in the back of their house. Stuff like that. And you're supposed to pay for that. They're not going to put you in a position of influence unless you have serious skin in the game. Now that's just a fact. You might not know that, but if you dig around and try to become a Sunday school teacher or try to become a deacon... Well, how much you given? Nobody's ever asked me that before. Well, you never tried to be a deacon or a Sunday school teacher before. If you want to be the, if you want to be in that pure serving role with no influence and no leadership, if you want to park cars, direct traffic, hand out coffee, smile at people and shake their hands and hold the door for them, do uh, uh, do this uh, the thankless work and the kid, hold babies in the kids ministry. No, no, that's just free labor. They're all well and good if you don't give a dime, okay? But if you want to start to have some influence, you better be a giver. And luckily, thankfully, in the world of websites, churches publish a list of their whales. I have a list of the whales at the companies that I work for, or the company the company that I work for owns companies, and I have all their sales data, and I send it to the salesman, and I say, here is your sales by product, here is your sales by month, here is your sales by customer, this year versus last year, and they sit and they say, oh, this guy's down, okay? 
You will never see my list of whales. And our competition will never show us their list of whales. That's our purse. We keep that secret. It is closely guarded. Those are our whales. Our customers. And you cannot, you can't see it. Because if, because we'll be ruined if you take them from us. But in Ayatollah of Rock and Roll, a coffee bar church world, the whales are on the website. It's the lay elders. These are regular dudes. Some of them probably mean well. I talked to the guy the other day. Uh, I need to get on here, get him on here to do an interview on the podcast. Who helped start? 901 Church with Stevie Flockhart and he worked with Steve Flockhart to get it get a campus of new season started. He was just a nice guy. He was just a believer who honestly wanted to start a church and mentor people and and do good where he lived. He he meant well. He wasn't making any money off the deal. He was just a businessman who had time and resources to do this. He completely lacked discernment and completely misunderstood what church is supposed to be. So, of course, he ended up with grifters like the flock carts. So... When you have these guys who are like, we need a new church in town, one that's not so judgmental. What's going to this is going to reach out to the lost and the unchurched and the and the people who've been hurt in town, you know? And they themselves have probably had bad experiences. So you take these guys who are rich guys, and they're just going to church, and now the church wants something. Why don't you be on our board of elders? Why don't you be on our board of directors? You, know, you got to give some money, and they they start trying to be leaders at. The, the institutional, traditional churches in town. They run into some kind of static. They think something's not right. They have an idea, but the senior pastor doesn't want to listen to them. That's not how we do things. You just need to appreciate your influence. So they're, nope, I'm going to go hang my own shingle. So largely what you're going to have are wealthy people who are influential, a lot of whom know how to lead and influence others from success in business or natural leadership abilities. But they don't have a lot of theological training. Maybe they have some, and but it was bad training. Or they don't have hardly any discernment. And these are the guys who are very useful in the hands of a Matt Evans or a James Griffin or a Stephen Furtick or a Perry Noble, etc., 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 And you know who they are. Their names are on the website. So let me just tell you this. Go to the website. A lot, a lot of them you can click an email. If they're on staff, you can probably click and email them. But the lay people, the lay pastors, they're not going to have their email on there. Go to Facebook. Type their name in. Boom. You have 17 mutual friends. Friend them. Send them a private message. Hey, you're an elder at Cross Point. Hey, you're an elder at Rockbridge. You want to tell me about it? I'd like to hear about it. And they want to do nothing more than tell you about the church they've built and franchised and satellited and how great it is. And you go get a read on them. And you can start asking the critical questions. 
And if you spear that whale, you might you might cost them a campus. Think about it. In the game of chess, you can kill every one of the other team's pawns. Even the rook and bishop, you still lose. You have to get the king. And remember, don't read anything into what I'm saying. I don't don't say some people in church are pawns and some people are knights and some people are I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the people who are poor or richer are any more important than the other. I'm saying that everybody's got whales. And if you spear one of these whales, you take the monetary I mean, you heard her monetarily. You take a big amount of funds away from Rock and Roll Coffee Shop Church, and then you know what? All those whales are going to have some Bible study group of 10, 20 people at their house. Then they can say, hey guys, we're in the wrong here. Some of them are going to try to reform it from within. Good luck with that. I talked to a guy on Facebook the other day. He's associate pastor at a church that doesn't have voting membership. And somebody from outside the local church is an overseer from some organization. He's like, I'm reforming it from within. I'm like, you're going to fail. Good luck. Speaking of out of business, CVS on Church Street in Cartersville is out of business. They put a Walgreen right, Walgreens right next to it, a brand new Walgreens, and they put them right out of business. And this is a perfect example because there sits Tabernacle Church on the other side. Tabernacle Church has been here for a hundred and... I'm actually, I actually know the math on this. Um, let's see here. If, when I was 26, when I was 27 years old, 28. I want to say Tabernacle has been here for 113 years. I was there the day they had their 100th anniversary celebration. And I want to say that was about 13 years ago. But it's roughly 113 years old. First Baptist across town is even older. Lottie Moon went there. Roland Springs, the demonic uh, cult of Freemasonry, which you'd run into if you turned on Tennessee Street and kept going, uh, over 150 years old. It's probably 155. So here in Cartersville, we had this CVS. It sat there, and everybody went there for their drugstore stuff downtown. You needed a little box of tissues. You needed some vitamin water. You needed some NyQuil. Hit up that CVS. They built a big, newer Walgreens that I think has a better parking lot to get into right across the street. And I guess everybody went to the newer store. People went to CVS less and less, and now it's out of business. And... Crosspoint, when they opened, when they were Oakleaf, they were down Tennessee Street in the movie theater. Then they moved down to the rock and, literally, a rock and roll club. I guess it was a country music club, a honky-tonk, a dance club. This is what it used to be. They bought it. I mean, it wasn't a dance club anymore. Carsville couldn't support a honky-tonk. Uh, I mean, almost within seeing distance, down the street. Now they're in the Church of God building. And make no bones about it, they opened up to put that other place out of business. They didn't think we're going to put them out of business, but they know, like, where are we going to get people to fill up our church from there? So the people who used to buy Revlon and uh, Designer and Posture Cosmetics at, at CVS, they started buying it from Walgreens, put them out of business. Absolutely put them out of business. New store, same thing, out of business. 
And you're not going to put Ayatollah, Rock and Roller, Coffee Bar Church out of business. You're not. They, goodness, J- Jimmy Swaggart didn't get put out of business. Mark Driscoll didn't get put out of business. It's, 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 Perry Noble didn't get put out of business. It's impossible to put these guys out forever. There will always be idiots. There will always be goats with itching ears. Okay, And they're all, listen, this is what's sad. Because sometimes it sounds like you're just putting everybody down, Seth. There will always be sheep without a shepherd. There will always be these newer Christians who, who need to be discipled, and they mean well, and they're getting led into places like this. If you think about Jesus when he saw these, or if you think about Jesus when he, when he looked upon Jerusalem and he felt compassion for them, he was like, they're like sheep without a shepherd. We should feel that way about new Christians who get led into rock and roll church too. They're sheep without a shepherd, and they need somebody to help them. And it's not going to be the false brand man shepherd that they have. And if you want to reach those people, you reach a whale. One of these guys was skin in the game. And I'm telling you, these people are bought in. I don't think they mean anything wrong. I don't think they're trying to build their own little kingdom and, and do good for their business. I really don't. I think a lot of them are just sincerely wrong. And if you go to these people who are sincerely wrong and show them the right way, you might take $50,000 a year and then 20 giving units or attenders out of that rock and roll church. And all you got to do is have a Facebook conversation with somebody who would like nothing more than to tell you about how awesome their elevation knockoff is. Spear the whale. Spear the whale. Bring it onto your ship. And you take and sell its blubber and oil to the merchants in Massachusetts. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again Thursday. As always, God bless, and as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. Not about spearing whales, either. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.